politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us for this edition of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. We're in our winter fun drive, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about KPFK and our listener-sponsored mission. We do have a guest, a wonderful guest for you today. Royce Morales will be talking about love in two of our segments. And I don't just mean emotional, romantic kinds of love. We're going to talk about love not only in relationships, but also that capital L love. What is that about? What is spiritual love? What does it mean when someone says love is really consciousness or awareness? You may find that a bit confusing, which is why you're going to want to stay tuned for my interview with Royce. But first, I want to tell you about this radio station. I wish it were two-way because I'd ask you, how long have you been listening to KPFK? And why do you listen to this radio station? I'm pretty sure that the answer would have something to do with the uniqueness of this radio station. Where else would you go to find programming like the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School or Inner Vision with Nita Valens or the Aware Show with Lisa Gar? Where else do you find spirituality and health, metaphysics and mysticism on the radio or streaming live on the internet for that matter. Where are you going to find a program like Sonali's program or Ian Masters or Roy of Hollywood? Where will you find a music mix like those tunes available throughout the day and the evening and the weekends and KPFK. Where else do you hear Spanish programming at night for our Spanish-speaking community? I can't think of another place. There is no other place. This radio station is unique, not only to Southern California, but in many ways to the world. And another way that KPFK is special, along with its sister stations and the Pacifica Group, is that we invented the idea of listener-sponsored radio, listener-supported radio, non-commercial listener-sponsored radio. That means we can be free speech radio. We don't have to worry about a sponsor or some corporation looking over our shoulders, leaning on us, editing what we're going to have to say. I'm going to tell you why that's important, because I have a long history in commercial radio. I'd like to tell you a little bit about it and give you some reasons why this station is different and why we enlist your support at kpfk.org slash donate, or you can even call us at 818-985-5735. That's 985-KPFK in the 818 area code. I began doing radio when FM radio was just emerging from being elevator music or dentist office music. 
that is, at the inception of what then we called underground radio. Until that time, we had to go to AM radio for our rock and roll, our top 40 tunes on a small playlist with a high rotation. And disc jockeys who were pretty cool, but they were shouting at us. They were having a lot of fun, but it was, hey, all of you out there in radio land. And because of the fidelity of FM radio, because we were stereo, number one, but also had all this wonderful bottom end available to us, there was a sense of intimacy. So when underground radio emerged and we started playing deep album cuts and our listeners, no longer limited to car radio, were using big stereo hi-fi sets at home, they loved the stereo, they loved the extra fidelity, but we all benefited from the intimacy. And so the way we talked to people on underground FM radio was very different. We spoke one-on-one. We were quiet. We didn't yell. And of course, we were pulling our own tunes, our own records, if you will, back in the day, actual vinyl discs that we would put the needle on and cue up. (laughs) We paid attention to the segues. We played thematic sets of music. And that lasted a little while until our success caught the attention of big corporations. bum ba 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 here come the corporations, right? And they came in and they corrupted an underground radio and turned it into a corporate version with ever shorter playlists and higher music rotations. But we were asked to continue to maintain that attitude of intimacy on the radio. After a few years working in Detroit, the Motor City, I moved west to California, and I worked in Los Angeles, and sometime in the mid-80s, about 35 years ago, I got a phone call from a listener who said, you need to know Roy Tuckman. And I don't remember if Roy called me or if I called Roy, but our fans put us together, and... Roy invited me to be on his program, and then Roy and Diane were on my program on KLOS. Again, I don't remember the order. I think Roy invited me first, and I was happy to have both of them on my show. And uh, we struck up a friendship, and I began to listen more and more to Roy's radio program, and that led me to listening to KPFK, again, the mid-'80s. I was really interested in the intimacy that Roy generated with his audience. In fact, he asked me one day, why do you yell at people? I was doing a telephone talk show, right? And I said, well, I I don't. Only people that come at me with hatred and the promotion of violence and war. And uh, yet I was really intrigued by Roy's attitude and He influenced the way I did radio, and soon after that, I began to volunteer on KPFK. I appeared as a guest on a program by Pam Burton called Philosopher's Stone. That was a regular show that we did. And by the early 90s, I had left commercial radio and was hosting InterVision on KPFK. In other words, after a little over 20 years in commercial radio, I end up volunteering on non-commercial KPFK. Volunteering. (laughs) I've never taken a nickel from this radio station and loving it. Well, 
I had to find something else to do for a living, so this is when I began offering my personal and spiritual development work in seminars and workshops. But the way I approached radio was changed forevermore, thanks to people like Roy and Pam Burton and a staff of KPFK people, many of whom are still here, still in the building. It's almost as if I grew up and I matured, and finally, after years and years and years, became good enough to be on KPFK. And you know, I'm really proud to say that. The truth is, I've never had more respect for an audience than I have for KPFK listeners. And so it's really quite easy for me to come to you every so often and say, hey, we're in a fun drive. It's time for you to make your pledge, your contribution, make a donation to this radio station. Help us out. You know we're a nonprofit, a 501c3. That means any money that you give to this radio station is a tax-deductible contribution. And yeah, we do have some premiums, your coffee mugs and your tote bags and all kinds of really cool thank you gifts, but I'd rather you do it just because you feel like it's an opportunity to make something you love even stronger, to, as I like to say, support what supports you. So do it now. 818-985-KPFK, that's 985-5735 in the 818 area code. Or the easy way, just go online to kpfk.org slash donate and make your contribution there. Blasting off the top of Mount Wilson with 110,000 watts covering Southern California with progressive free speech radio powered by the people. All right. 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735, or via the web, kpfk.org slash donate. Do it now. It'll just take a couple of minutes, and then settle in, listen to our interview with Royce Morales, and we'll tell you more about love than you think you know. topic today may seem easy enough to talk about, but the implications are extraordinary. It's actually quite a deep topic, and it's about love. And the word love is a word that we throw around a lot. It's a wonderful emotional feeling or set of feelings. Technically, love is not an emotion. It's a set of many emotions. And you've got Love is not even limited to emotions. It goes beyond the affinity that we feel for each other or the angst and tension and stress that comes out of, I'll say, the hurt and the heartbreak that comes out of loving relationships as well. It's much more complicated than that. Sometimes you'll see the word love capitalized. And so my guest today is going to explain some of these nuances to us as we talk about love on KPFK. Thanks for joining us. My guest, Royce Morales, is with us, and she's a spiritual facilitator. She's the author of several books. One in particular is called No, A Spiritual Wake-Up Call, which I like a lot. 
Royce, I think, uh, well, first of all, welcome to KPFK. Thank you. I am honored to be here. Thank you. I've played around with uh, beliefs and the difference between believing and knowing. And you wrote a book called Know. It sort of implies why believe when you could know. Mm -hmm. So what is that? First of all, what's that book about? Why did you choose that title as a spiritual wake-up call to know rather than believe? Well, that's a great question, and it's K-N-O-W. Every time somebody says it, I always think, oh, I hope they realize it's not N-O. But I have been teaching spiritual awareness, spiritual awakening for a long time, and I find that what we're trying to get to is to know something rather than to believe it or to buy into some program that we bought into years ago or, you know, what we've been taught, which is, you know, usually <laughs> not real accurate. So that's actually why that title and all, all the titles of my books came to me on an intuitive meditative level. I just am always stumped as to what I should call my books and I'll sit down and meditate and there they come. There's the title. So I've learned not to question that and just know <laughs> that it's the right title. So what is the difference between knowing something and believing? When does your belief system crystallize into what feels more solid, like true knowledge? Well, I think because those beliefs are so strongly programmed into us that we really do believe that they're true and factual, um, and then, of course, I, I talk a lot about how we attract what we believe. So we have all this evidence trying to show us that, oh, yeah, what you believe is true. You know, so if I believe that uh, men are irresponsible, guess what? I attract a lot of irresponsible men to prove that I'm right about that belief. So then it just adds further evidence and further proof that that belief is true, even though it isn't. You know, it's just that I believe that and that's what I attract. That's what that's what shows up or manifests in my life. Yeah, I guess that is the danger with belief systems. And it's further complicated by the, uh, the synonym, which is faith. And that has religious connotations. People say, yeah. well, yeah. do you believe in God? Do you have faith that the universe is organized in an intelligent way? And I think that can be an entry point. But you're talking about even if that's where we begin with the belief system, to recognize that consciousness is magnetic, the law of attraction and such, mm -hmm. and that life does, on a certain level, become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. That's what I hear you saying. You believe something strong enough, good or bad, you're likely to pull it toward you somehow. You do. Yeah, it's magnetized. It just gets, there it is, arriving in my life to prove that I'm right. Yeah. And yet I hear you saying that by knowing something rather than believing it, we can escape that trap. We can go to a higher level of awareness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because knowingness, knowingness comes from our, our intuition, our spirit, our soul, uh, a much wider perspective on awareness, consciousness. So, yeah, that's what we're striving to do. And so the obvious question would be, how? How, <laughs> how, how, how do you do that? Well, come to my classes, and uh, <laughs> I do teach people how to do that. I teach people how to evolve past that belief system that's been running their life and reach a point where they're 
constantly in touch or in tune with a deeper level of knowingness. And I find that I've, I've tried everything. I have to say I was, you know, a spiritual seeker my entire life. I tried every discipline there is known to mankind. And I found that nothing really worked for long. And what really worked was starting to dig through and, and find the roots of some of these false beliefs that have been, that were running me. And when I pulled them up and got to the, you know, the bottom of all of that stuff, things started to shift. So I could come from a more knowing, intuitive, wise, conscious place. Well, I thought you were going to say the short answer is meditation. <laughs> that helps. What is the role of meditation in lifting your awareness from believing to knowing? Well, based on my own personal experience, I found that meditation kind of opened the door, but I still had all of those beliefs that would get in the way. I still had to resolve and get to the root of what was standing in the way of me being in that state all the time. And that's what was so frustrating to me because I knew it, you know, I could see it, I could taste it. It was like a little carrot dangled in my consciousness, but I just couldn't stay there. So, um, you know, what I do helps people to really stay there and become real with that, become authentic with that. Boy, that's, uh, that's really well said because I've often wondered why do I have to, after all these years of focusing on waking up, which is what my whole life has been about, 40 years as a broadcaster doing talk shows and workshops and such, how do we stay there? How do we become? It's such a trap to say, is that person enlightened or are they self-realized? And then the ego loves to dress up like the spiritual self and say, oh, yeah, you're so cool, dude. You are such a spiritual cat. I can't believe how yeah, groovy you right. are. Did I really say groovy? <laughs> you said groovy, yes. So the ego can take credit for all of this stuff, and yet that's not being realized at all. So the idea of staying there, um, I have to reorient myself all the time. I have to pause and breathe and remind myself that, well, for example, that separation is an illusion. Let's, let's go down that little side trail for a minute. That for me, is a kind of a an anchor because I feel separate from the world. I, I feel separate from other people, especially those who I may disagree with, especially with, with people in this day and age. We talk about being polarized and divided, and uh, there's th that, that generates so much hostility and uh, vengeful anger and such. But it's all rooted in fear. So let's talk about, let's contrast fear and love. I think that's important to do. So is fear more than the absence of love? Is it an opposing force? What's the role of fear in all of this? Well, I talk about, I mean, the fear and love are the two issues that I talk the most about all the time. It's the core of what runs through my teachings. And I find that fear, it's not necessarily the absence of love, it's just the forgetfulness of love. So every emotion that we have that isn't love is based on fear. 
Um, and it's terrifying for us to even admit that we're afraid. So we cover it up with anger or we cover it up with sadness or hostility or jealousy. And all that does is just pull us further away from who we really are, which is love with a capital L, as you were saying before. Uh, love is our essence. Love is our being. And we're here to not only remember that, but to be that authentically. Um, how do we get there? By noticing our fears and noticing what pulls us out of that loving place. Um, I find that every single time I'm able to tap into exactly what I'm feeling, whether it be anger, sadness, or whatever, there's a fear underneath that. And by looking at that fear, I get to discover more about love. And that might sound kind of contradictory, but if I'm looking at a fear and I see that, oh, okay, well, I'm just afraid that, you know, this thing is going to happen or that thing is going to happen, or maybe I'm going to say something stupid, or maybe I'm going to, you know, lose this, this friendship. If you start to really examine a fear, you're going to discover that it's always either fear of having love or fear of losing love. Now, fear of losing love is pretty easy to, to recognize. It's like, okay, well, you said that thing and I'm afraid now you don't love me. But when you take it even deeper, you're able to see that, gosh, I'm just really afraid that you do love me and I don't deserve that and, and I'm going to destroy that. And who am I to have somebody that loves me in my life? So, you know, I, I, I teach people how to just tap into that real quickly so that they don't have to sabotage themselves. And of course, you know, getting to the root of it helps to resolve it completely. But just seeing it really quickly, I mean, I could tell you, you know, the, the craziest story of my life was on my honeymoon. <laughs> and I won't get x-rayed on your show. But there we were the first night of our honeymoon in a hotel. And I looked over at this wonderful person that loved me completely. And I loved him completely. And it was a very, you know, three week relationship. And we got married right away. And I looked at him and it was like, oh, my God, what have I done? This is terrifying. And when I started, and he's a very enlightened soul. So when I started to acknowledge those fears and talk to him about them, I realized that it wasn't fear of what I had done. It was fear of having this much love in my life. Do I deserve this? What, you know, am I going to destroy, destroy this? Like I've destroyed every other relationship in my life. And just by recognizing that and acknowledging that to him, it all lifted. And we had a wonderful honeymoon. We've been married for 35 years, you know, but I know I would have destroyed that relationship by not recognizing that fear of having love because it's really the core of every single thing and every button that gets pushed. Am I worthy? Am I worthy? Yep. You know, the flip side of that is defensiveness. And that's a little trick that I use with myself personally is when I start getting defensive, I feel my armor going up intention coming into my body as if that's going to protect me. I ask myself, what am I defending myself against? What is it that I feel opposes me? And to take ownership of that, to realize that, especially in a loving relationship, you often find yourself the most angry at the person you're most vulnerable with, the person you love the most, they can really upset you. Often the most horrible things in relationships are said to people you love the most. That seems so weird. But it's because we've opened ourselves, because we're vulnerable. And so I'm always asking myself, what am I defending? 
if I came to you and was working with you as your student, what would you tell me about that? Well, I would explain how buttons work. And defensiveness is just a sign that something was triggered in you. There's something deeper about that. Uh, and what is the fear that goes underneath that button? You know, because like I was saying before, fear causes us to to act out in anger or to act out in defensiveness or to act out running out of the room or, you know, violence. All those things are just based on being re-triggered in some way. And being re-triggered just means that a fear was triggered. And where did that come from? What is that about? And how is that showing me that I'm just afraid of love? And that is why we get so angry at those people we love the most, because they bring up that fear of love. And I find that we can be in a relationship and, you know, everything's fine. And then you have this wonderful day with them. Maybe you go out for a wonderful romantic dinner. And the next thing you know, you're having a terrible fight with that person. And all it shows is that love brings up even more fear. You know, the more love we have, the more success we have, the more money, power, recognition, the more fear comes up. Because, again, am I worthy? Do I deserve this? Am I going to destroy it? You know? Let's take a short break, Royce. Uh, we're talking with Royce Morales, a spiritual facilitator, about the nature of love, particularly in relationships. But love is more than a set of emotions. Love has consciousness and awareness, and I have several more questions along those lines for you. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. I'm Manuel Zuberi Fields, KPFK's General Manager. Our Winter Fun Drive is in full swing now. The Fun Drive is a time we come to our listeners to celebrate our accomplishments and impacts KPFK has had in your life and the communities we serve. Without the financial support of our listeners like you, KPFK would not be able to air the programs you love and rely upon. When you give to KPFK, you're investing in your local community. Your contribution makes programs like Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott, Rising Up with Sonali, Something's Happening with Roy of Hollywood, Background Briefing with Ian Masters, and the 6 o'clock news possible. Keep your favorite programs on the air and the support staff behind the scenes working for you and your community. Your support now helps us end our drive as soon as possible and reduce the interruptions to your favorite program. Call 818-985-5735, or better yet, donate online now at kpfk.org slash donate. KPFK and your dial at 90.7 FM. We're talking with Royce Morales about love, which may seem like a very simple topic, but when you roll up your sleeves and jump into it, it is deep and it is broad, and the implications are numerous. And in relationships, Royce, before the break, we were talking about defensiveness and the heartbreak that seems to go hand in hand with love and loving relationships. We often forget that. If you ask somebody, how does love feel? They immediately describe all the warmth and the warm, fuzzy presence of being in love, usually people forget, oh, yeah, by the way, along with that comes a lot of difficulty, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, and as you've pointed out, an extraordinary amount of fear that we're going to lose this love. I guess what I want to ask you about 
when we discuss the difference between small L love and capital L love is how do we get beyond this idea that, well, I, I, I guess what I mean to say is how do we get beyond the codependence of thinking that I need your love and you need my love and we'll exchange this love. How do we go to an independence of I already have the love I'm looking for, so do you. It's not only something we have, it's who we are and we're sharing out of our abundance and our bounty of love. Talk about that a little bit. I think that's an extraordinary insight. Yeah, well, it goes back to what I was saying before, that most of the time what we perceive as love is just fear covered up. You know, the programmed kind of primitive part of us that thinks that you are going to fulfill me, you're going to save me, you're going to bring me happiness and peace and joy is terrified to think that we might lose that. But when you do come from knowing that, I am love and I deserve love and who I am is love and that's my essence and it's not outside of myself. That makes a huge difference. Um, But you still have to resolve that part of you that comes from that more primitive fear-based place by finding the source, finding the core, the roots of where those fears come from. And like I was saying before, it's not really about losing love. It's the, the deeper fear is fear of having love. So where does that come from? Why do I feel that way? And I find that when you start to do some deep inner work, you discover that, gosh, I brought a whole lot of guilt and lack of deservingness and, you know, all that stuff with me. And I I go into previous lives and reincarnation with people. And a lot of that stuff is just in there that I brought that's affecting me in every inch of my relationships, whether they're loving or casual or people on the street, you know, it's all the same because That's how I see things and that's how I perceive my world. And that's what gets attracted to me. And I find that people are the the most amazing mirrors trying to show us all of our denial and all of our lack of deservingness. They, They bring that up to us in our face, especially the people we choose to be in partnerships with. You know, there they are showing me that mirror of the part of myself I don't want to see, you know, which is an amazing teaching that we have living with us. I think that's very important to this idea of life mirroring us. Yes, yes. Not only in relationships, but in circumstances and situations. What we call problems may be this blessed opportunity to learn something about ourselves if we would but take ownership of it and say, you know, if this were mirroring or or i'll tell you what i do i say if this was a dream what would it mean a way of tricking myself into saying it's really about me Uh, everybody knows your dreams no matter what you dream about are your dreams and we may learn at some point if we're mature enough that our emotions are not done to us but our personal responses to whatever is stimulating us, but to go even further to see all of life as a reflection of what's going on within us and between us and back and forth. The idea that the universe is this great hall of mirrors. Yes. Talk more about that. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's what I talk about all the time. Everything is a reflection of what we're in denial of. So for example, when my husband 
the one that I'm still married to, <laughs> I would come home after teaching and, you know, something would happen and he would just go off. He would have the, this extreme anger that would come up to the point where he was, you know, punching in walls and stuff. And I would look at him and I'd go, well, that's, that couldn't be a mirror. I'm not like that. You know, I, I don't get angry. I very proudly ego stating, I don't get angry. And what I started to realize was he was a reflection of all the suppressed anger that I had just been in denial of. I call that the seesaw effect. I push something down and it has to come up somewhere in my universe. So I started to work on that. I started to look at myself and realize, oh, okay, maybe I do have anger. and Maybe I've been suppressing it not only in this life, but the last 10 lifetimes. And he's acting on it for me. And when I started to resolve that inside of me, he suddenly stopped being so angry, miraculously, and, you know, stopped punching in walls and stuff. So it's it's really taking responsibility for what those mirrors show you and doing something about it and looking deep and discovering what that's really about. My wife, Doreen, calls that ham and egg in it. It's like when I'm in need of something, she becomes sometimes better than at other times aware of that and puts her own needs aside to address that. And then I try to do the same thing, of course. If you have a partner that recognizes this mirror phenomenon and see it working in a relationship, it's like, let me mirror you. Allow me to reflect back. Sometimes it's called reflective communication. I hear that you're feeling such and such. Rather than that defensiveness that I mentioned earlier, what are you talking about? I'm the one that's feeling blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and as soon as you pause for a breath, they jump in and said, you're out of your mind. I'm the one who blah, blah, blah. Right, right? right. And we've got yeah. this battle going on. Yeah. You know, the image in the mirror never fights with what's projecting it. To take ownership of that and embrace that. Seems to me that's what a relationship is really for. Yes, and it's miraculous on every level. Like I said, when I took ownership of my anger, he had he stopped acting on it for me. So yeah, it's it's hard. You know, looking at mirrors is really hard. I'm not going to pull any punches here, but it's miraculous what happens. It really does. It really is. Yeah, because it doesn't lie. Mirrors don't lie. You know, you get up in the morning, you look at that face, and it's. That's what's there. That's the truth. But I, I'll tell you, it saved every relationship I've ever been in by just looking within and seeing what that person was mirroring. And I, they never have to even know anything about what I'm doing on my end of the relationship. I just work on it on my end and things shift. It's really amazing. There's so much fear involved in saying, well, if they're not to blame, I guess I'm to blame. And then you review your situation and say, well, I'm not to blame. They did this. They brought it up. So they must be to blame. If we could just drop blame altogether. Yeah. Get rid of that word. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe substitute responsibility, the ability to choose your response. Yes. I think that would be a better way. I'm not to blame. You're not to blame. Nobody's to blame. But let's be responsible. Yeah. We're just doing this dance together. I'm your mirror. You're my mirror. You know, let's figure it out. Yeah. 
One of the pillars of emotional intelligence is relationship management. And key to relationship management, I think, is recognizing the difference between conceding an argument and acknowledging the argument. And what I mean by that is when there's friction in a relationship and people disagree, it's our nature, I think, our animal nature, our more unevolved nature to see it as a battle, a need for conquest. Like, if you're going to be right, then I must be wrong. I need to be right and prove you wrong. But what I find people are really looking for is not to be right, but to be acknowledged. Tell me how this plays out in your work to teach people in especially loving, intimate relationships to acknowledge the other person, to play back, I hear you're feeling this, and I understand, I think I understand that what you're telling me is that you feel this way and this way. Does that help us sidestep this whole battle about who's to blame? Well, yes and no, because if everything is a mirror, then if you're expressing your anger and I reflect back to you, oh, I hear that you're angry, that kind of gets me off the hook for looking at my mirrors. You know, why do I need you to be angry? What do I need to see about that? You know, so there, it's like a different dynamic that happens when both people are willing to look at mirrors and to acknowledge responsibility in, in all situations. Does that make sense? It does. I'm just thinking you could, when you finish working with one direction, you could turn it around because both sides have issues. So right. let's say I go first and I say, Royce, I, I hear you saying that you feel this way and this way. And when I said that, it really hurt you or you felt insulted or dismissed or discounted or ignored or when I said that or didn't do that. Or, is that right? Do, am I understanding you? And we resolve that. Mm-hmm. Now let's turn it around. Right. Yes, then you can see your side of it, yes. Because you have issues also. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Or or where did I leave off? Maybe I'm the one, of course I'm the one with you. We both have issues. We both, we're both mirrors. I guess that has to be one of the ground rules, is that when there's conflict, it's never one side right. that's having the issue. Yeah. Not only are you a mirror of me, but I'm a mirror of you. Yes. So we got to look at both directions. Yeah, that took me a while to get because here I am, the spiritual teacher, and I'm married to this guy. And, of course, I couldn't possibly have any issues. But I finally had to say, okay, yeah, yeah, he's he's showing me some stuff, too. Yeah, it's real easy. And people a lot of times start using mirrors as weapons or, oh, that must be your mirror. Or, (laughs) you know, they start doing that kind of stuff with it. That's really destructive. Yeah. Well, all of this in a romantic relationship or in a marriage or between parent and child or siblings is one thing. There's also your boss, right? There's the guy down the street. There's your uh, brother-in-law, your sister's husband, who you never did like, and the other people we have to deal with. They may not be willing to sit down and do this kind of work. Exactly. So how do we maintain in a situation like that? How do we cope with something like that? All you need to do is get the Windex out and clean your side of the mirror. It's the only thing you have to do because, like I said, things start to shift because you're you're basically releasing the need to have that mirror. 
So if I resolve my anger, I don't need people to show that to me anymore. And they stop, you know. So it's like cutting the, the energetic cord, so to speak. Just keep working on your side. Now, we've said a couple of times in this program that there is a small L love that relates to our emotional nature. But there's also a capital L love for people who are uncomfortable with that. And it's a spectrum. It's not just the two poles, either this or that. There's a whole range of, how can I say, positions we could occupy between the two, uh, sort of like the magnetic field between the poles of a bar magnet. Uh, you could be anywhere in that field between the yin and yang of emotional love, as we've discussed it, and the unanimity of capital L love. Expound on this a little bit, more on the capital L love that stands above all of this. Well, I define that capital L love as just pure acceptance. There's no judgment, there's no buttons, there's no neediness. You know, it's just accepting something exactly as it is. And, of course, that's the hardest thing in the whole world for us because we do have the fear-based programming and the ego and the way and all of that. But I find, again, that as you do the inner work and you resolve those roots of those issues, you're left with a pure level of, of acceptance, you know, and the judgments go away because you realize, oh, I was just judging myself, you know. And I hate to get kind of global with all of this, but I find that, my underlying purpose in all of this is to help people to reach that point so that it can expand, so that other people can get that, so that the world can stop going to war, so that we can stop having such crazy violence and, you know, all the stuff that's going on, you know. And I know it sounds like, okay, I'll just work on my little thing over here, but it really is about taking it out and expanding it and being the hundredth monkey, you know, so important. I mean, can you imagine a world where everybody came from acceptance rather than judgment? You know, everything would shift. I think one of the primary ways of discussing, I mean, in a really, you use the word global in an overshadowing sense. One of the ways of describing the difference between Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy is when someone in the West, a Christian, a Jew, a a Muslim, talks about one God, it's often personified, yet separated, a super being that lives outside its creation. Whereas in Eastern philosophy, the one God, one mind, one heart, one thing, the ancient Egyptians referred to it as one thing. There's just one of us here. To deal with that, to reconcile those points of view on our mind, I think is imperative. And I personally remind myself that my ego wants me to think I'm just the finger of one hand. It appears to be separate, this finger, but it's really part of one body. And so it is with awareness, with love. We appear to be separate. Talk to me a little bit about that illusion and your understanding of the oneness of things? Well, again, if you kind of see that everything is a mirror, you immediately start to realize, oh, there is no separation. 
you know, so everything that's going on right now politically or environmentally is just a reflection of me in some way. How am I destroying myself? How am I at odds with myself? And you start to, you know, there could be so many examples of how feeling that oneness starts to attract more of that to you. And it starts to show up in your life in all kinds of interesting, almost magical ways, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely ascribe to the Eastern notion that everything is connected and it's all one. You know, we're all just one big atom showing up in different unique forms, you know, here to do different purposeful things with our life, but all creating and energizing and manifesting this planet. Royce Morales is my guest. And Royce, uh, we talked about your book, No Spiritual Wake Up Call. Is that the title? Mm-hmm. K-N-O-W, yes. <laughs> and you also had an online class. Tell our listeners how they can get more information about your work. It's all on my website, RoyceMorales.com, and it explains the e-course that I have, which is kind of a, a basic introduction to what I teach, and it kind of opens the door so that you can go deeper and do some private work with me. I do private work with students. And I also have group classes that meet virtually, And, yep, there's a lot of things available. It's all on my website. Well, listen, I really uh, value your insight and your work. Uh, I love this whole idea of working with the mirror metaphor. I think it really helps a lot. Maybe we could do this show again in the future and go from the mirror to the hologram because it's the same thing, only uh, if you break a hologram, into pieces, every little shard contains an image of the whole from its particular point of view. Yes, and that's exactly how I I feel about all of us here. We are just little holograms. That's exactly a great metaphor. But but I think the mirror is a good place to begin rather than just jump to the hologram. Right. (laughs) A mirror is hard enough, yeah. Yeah, not too many of us have experience with holographics and such. But in any event, I love the work you're doing and uh, really appreciate that you're available to us now, not only in Southern California, but uh, around the world, thanks to the internet. Yep. So thank you so much. Stay safe, stay strong, stay in touch. And uh, a few months down the road, we'll have you back. I'd really like that. Thank you. I would love that. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. You're amazing. You've been my hero for decades. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. You're listening to KPFK in Los Angeles, and we'll be right back. The Car Show has aired on KPFK since 1973. And perhaps you have a car that's been sitting in your driveway since 1973 or 1993. Or maybe you're still driving it, but it's time to say goodbye. Get rid of that thing and help KPFK at the same time. Your donation of your old car gets it out of your life and helps KPFK as a tax-deductible donation. And not just cars. Trucks, boats, and motorcycles are also welcome. It's easy. Just call 877-KPFK-AUTO and we'll handle all the details. Let your old car help KPFK. You're listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, and of course, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. And we are in our winter fun drive, the February fun drive. It's also Black History Month, 
And uh, I'm going to get some help today from my wife, Doreen Key, and we'll talk a little about that too. But we're asking for your donations and contributions to keep this radio station on the air. And it occurs to me that over the years, we've said that a lot because it's true. We are listener-supported, a nonprofit, 501c3. All your contributions are tax-deductible. But currently, we're really on the edge. We've never been in a situation as critical as this, having taken a pretty big hit in 2008 when the economy collapsed at the end of the Bush era. We've never really fully recovered from that, and we're deeply in debt. We've recently had a 30% budget cut, and so it's more imperative than ever that those of you who you know, maybe have never contributed to this radio station step up to the plate with whatever you can pledge today. And you can call the phone rooms at 818 985 5735 985-KPFK. And frankly, the easiest way to do this is simply to go online at kpfk.org slash donate. And you can make your contribution there. You can look through the premiums that are available if you're interested in a thank you gift. Or you can click on Sustainer's Circle and make a contribution that comes automatically out of your ATM card, your credit or debit account, and it's painless. And again, tax deductible at the end of the year. Let me welcome my producer, my wife, my friend, and a former talk show host here on KPFK, Doreen Key. Hello, Doreen. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello, everybody. I am so happy to be here today uh, raising money for KPFK. I uh, hope we raise a lot of money during this hour. It shows how much you love Michael uh, as much as I do. <laughs> KPFK is such a legendary radio station. We can't let this station go down. We have to support KPFK. It's so important. This station is so important. It does so much good. I'm not just happy to be here today, Michael. I'm honored to be here today to hopefully raise a lot of money for KPFK. You know, I've done this in the past and I really miss going into the phone room and there's, there were so many wonderful people in the phone room just waiting for your calls. And we don't have that now. The world has changed. We have a very, very, very different world, but you know what? Things are getting better, so let's get those donations up so that we can keep KPFK on the air. I happen to know that there are quite a few wealthy people who listen to this show, very wealthy, and who would not miss a few hundred, a few thousand dollars. And guess what? It's a tax deduction. So at the end of the year, you're going to have a nice big fat tax deduction, and you will help this radio station that supports you and has supported Black Lives Matter, has supported the civil rights movement, has supported the gay rights movement, LGBTQ movement. There's room for everyone at KPFK. We are a family. We are a community. And if you can just give today, give during Michael's hour, we'll know you're listening. We'll know how much you care about KPFK and care about the people who support you at this station. There is a small paid staff that have to be at KPFK every day, but believe me, they're not making what they're worth. 
and the rest of us are volunteers. Michael has volunteered at KPFK for 30 years. I was privileged to do a 14-part radio series where I got to interview my heroes. That's where we got Willie Nelson to say, you're listening to Radical Free Speech Radio, KPFK. He was happy to do that for us. That was amazing that he did that. Gore Vidal talks about KPFK in my interviews, how wonderful it is to have a station like KPFK. You are in on a big secret here. You are in on the most amazing radio station Maybe in America, you have no idea of the level of volunteerism that goes into this. Can you please give to KPFK? Can you please help us out with a donation now? Go to the phone now, 818-985-5735. Please help us out. This is free speech radio. This is what democracy is all about. Michael, we almost lost democracy last month. We almost lost democracy. What would have happened without Eugene Goodman leading the terrorists in the wrong direction so they couldn't go in and murder people. So let's make it painless. Make it painless. Take out $5 a month. That's $60 a year. That's great. That helps somebody. That pays for a lot. You're not going to miss $5 a month. Almost nobody will miss $5 a month. If you can do $5 a month, then Think about doing $10 a month, then that would be $120 a year. And think about doing $25 a month. That's pretty painless, $25 a month. But you know what? You get KPFK. Please pick up your phone right now and call 818-985-5735-985-KPFK, the legendary KPFK. Or go to the website, kpfk.org slash Donate. Actually, going online is even better. kpfk.org slash donate. And again, we have premiums. We've got uh, the coffee mugs and the tote bags. we got a lot of cool programming, CDs and DVDs. Anybody use CDs anymore? Well, you, <laughs> you can burn them to your computer, put them on your phone. We've got all kinds of content and uh, a lot of really cool perks, but... Wouldn't it be great if you just maximize your contribution by ignoring the premiums altogether? And being part of our community, we're reaching out to people who have never donated to this radio station, never made a contribution or a pledge before. Or maybe you're someone who pledged a long time ago and you're still listening, but it's been a while since you donated to KPFK. The need has never been greater. So help us out right now. 818-985-5735-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735, or kpfk.org slash donate. Easy peasy, and you're going to feel great. Be a member of our family. Be a member of our community. As Doreen said, we have a very small paid staff, just folks who have to be here every single day. And the majority of us, we volunteer our time and our money, our efforts. It takes about six hours to put together a one-hour, it takes me anyway, about six hours to put together a one-hour show. And I do it because I love it, because I think it really makes a difference. And where else are you going to get this information? Certainly not commercial media. And while NPR and PBS may nod in this direction from time to time. 
Their programming is not nearly as progressive or consistently progressive as KPFK. This programming you won't hear anywhere else, but you got to ante up. When I was in commercial radio, we would spend 16 to 18 minutes out of every hour throwing commercials at you, fear-based commercials designed to frighten you into thinking you're inadequate and you're not enough. The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School has a message that is just the opposite, that you're wonderful, you're magnificent, you have extraordinary potential. But in order to bring you that message and avoid that 18 minutes of negativity, we need your support. That's what we do. Listener-supported replaces a reliance on commercial announcements or corporate support. So this is the time to help us out during the Winter Fund Drive. 818-985-5735 or kpfk.org slash donate. You know, Michael, it's Black History Month, and you know one of my greatest heroes of my life is John Lewis. John Lewis would have turned 81 years old this week, and... If I ever want to choke up, all I have to do is think about John Lewis walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge with his backpack that had an apple and a toothbrush in it. And he was walking across the bridge for civil rights. We're not asking you to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge here. We're asking you to give a little money to Free Speech Radio KPFK. Keep it going. Keep this station going. This is a landmark station. This is a legendary station that we all depend on and have depended on over the years for real free speech. I can't imagine Los Angeles and the world without KPFK. Please call KPFK now. Give us what you can. 818-985-5735. 985-KPFK. Or online, kpfk.org forward slash donate. Please donate now. Thank you so much. I'd like you to think of this in terms of your income and what suits you as a contribution. Consider what would be 1% of your income or one quarter of 1% of your income. That could be 100 or $150. What a wonderful contribution at this time. Or... As we've said before, we really like the idea of the sustainer circle where 10 or $25 a month is silently withdrawn from your bank account. You won't even miss it. And at the end of the year, you've got a really nice tax deduction and the comfort along the way of knowing that you're supporting what supports you. A great radio station, a legendary radio station, free speech radio progressive radio for not only Southern California, but the world through kpfk.org. And we'd like you to join us every Tuesday for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. One o'clock in the afternoon, Tuesdays, the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks, Doreen, for being with us again today. Thank you. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner on KPFK Los Angeles. Mm-hmm.